0: Why don't we open up to Nehemiah. Actually going to get into chapter 2 a little bit, but we're going to start in chapter 1 and then kind of skip down to chapter 2. But we'll we start in just 1-1. Nehemiah 1-1. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. I now pray before you, day and night, for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Now chapter 2. And in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, "Why is your face sad, seeing you' are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart." Then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, "Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire?" Then the king said to me, "What are you requesting?" So I prayed to the God of heaven. And said to the king, "If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I may be rebuild it." And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside it, beside him, "How long will you be gone, and when you will return?" So it pleased the king to send me, and when I had given a time, and the king said, if it and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may pass through until I come to Judah." And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Well, this week we're going to be talking about prayer, is the one way you could describe it. But really we have to keep in mind last week's message in order to apply this week's message to really keep what we're talking about in context. Because last week we talked about the God who keeps covenant. And really, in one way, we're not really just talking about prayer in one sense because prayer doesn't do anything. The God who hears our prayers does things, right? It's not our prayer itself that has power It's dependent on the real and living God who hears and answers prayer. We could pray the act of praying. You know, there's many um, religions that pray. The question is, who is hearing the prayer and who's answering the prayer? And what we're saying is, there's a God who's a living God who acts on behalf of his people, who has, you know, descended to even... Uh, humbled himself just to see man and to love sinful men and not only that he made a covenant with them he brought his people out of Egypt he came down in the person of Jesus Christ to die for our sins all these things we're saying here's this real and living and active God who loves sinners that's who we're praying to that's why we pray we're not in the sense you know what this message is about we're talking about God I mean we really have to start there who is God and that's what we really talked about Last week, the God who acts, who washes us with his blood, that he promises to be in a loving relationship with us, a covenant relationship. And we talked about that, the word steadfast love, covenant loyal love. And that's really a good summary of the Christian life is we're responding to who God is and how he loves us. And so when we talk about prayer, we're not talking about what I'm going to do to get God to act. We're talking about how God has acted and how I'm going to respond. And so out of love for who God is and what he's done, how he's loved me, how do I respond? And it's in, it's in the context of a covenant relationship. I'm there. I'm secure in who God is. I'm not earning anything. Just like David was talking about, I'm not trying to work my way to please God. I am in a relationship secure with God. I'm his child because of what He, who he is and what he's done. And then out of that flows a, a relationship. And one of the pieces of that is prayer. And this is, I mean, this is quite a section on prayer. There's a lot going on here. And I tried to write down all the different facets of prayer that this really hits on. And and I had to try, try and narrow it down because there's so many. You could do a whole series on prayer starting from these verses. But I want to today talk about kind of the... I'm going to kind of split all my points into two different categories of prayer. And there's different ways you could do this, but I felt like I had so many points that I had to make it into something, just to get it down to two, and then there are, the rest will be sub-points. So basically, what I'm going to talk... to today about is disciplined prayer and then spontaneous prayer. Or if you want to say it differently, we could talk about committed prayer or more organic prayer. Or praying out of the motivation is the will. It's like, I know that I should do this, so I'm going to do it. That would be disciplined prayer. And then the spontaneous prayer would be praying out of the overflow of your heart's desires, so it comes naturally. It's not something you have to decide, I'm going to do it, it's just there. And we call that spontaneous prayer. And we see both here in this passage. And there's a lot of different points, um, sub points, but those are the two things I, w- I want to focus in on today. And really, it's something that you could really divide your whole life into. You already deal with these categories every day in your, in your own life. And I was trying to think of an illustration, and I was thinking about the uh the doctor going to the doctor, so there's both sides of it you know there's like spontaneous or um, an overflow of a, of a desire when uh, I thought of when I was a little kid, I was about five years old. Is there anybody that's five here? Anybody around five no no five year olds one so it's pretty small um kindergarten, and I, uh, I broke my leg. I fell down at school, and kids stepped on my leg, broke both bones in my leg, and my parents took me to the doctor, or took me to the ER, and that was spontaneous. You know, right? I was calling out for help, and I didn't have to decide, well, it's the right thing to do, so I'm going to discipline myself to call for help right now. It was just an overflow of this overwhelming pain. And it's kind of a funny story in a way. It's sad. But I was sitting in the ER with my parents. And I was kind of yelling, actually, somebody call 911. And you can imagine. And I was like, I need a doctor. I need some help. And so they got me back really quick. Because it it looked pretty bad. You know, this little kid yelling, "Somebody, somebody get a doctor. Somebody call the hospital. And I'm sitting in the hospital, you know. So... And that didn't take any effort, you know. And on the other hand, you have the, you know, discipline. You know, it's like, well, I, don't, I feel fine, but I'm going to go to the doctor on my yearly checkup or whatever just because, you know, preventative type of thing. Even if I don't feel like it, you know, and it's an inconvenience. And work is the same way, you know. You go to work, there's days you don't feel like going to work, and you do it anyways, out of, simply out of the will. Your desire is not in it. There's other days where there's people at work who you want to help, you know. And back, you know, I guess that story could relate in two ways, that I ended up having a, a big cast because my break was so bad, it was like all the way up my leg. And I was so small that the cast weighed like half as much as I did. So I couldn't use crutches, I would just tip over, because it weighed, it'd be like me having like an 80-pound cast now or something like that. Um, and so I had this tiny child walker, if you can imagine that, like a super small walker. And the doctor's really nice, as you can imagine, like this tiny kid coming in on a walker. <laughs> um, and you'd want to help. Like I'm sure doctors feel that same way. It's like there's days they don't feel like getting up, and then there's patients that are easy to help and are nice, like little kids with walkers. And then there's people that are mean, you know, and they're like, I don't feel like helping you, but they do it either way. And so you, ha- you deal with this kind of dichotomy in your life every day. But I'm going to specifically talk about prayer. And you see it here in Nehemiah. And the first thing I want you to to notice is, under these two categories, his everyday, his daily prayer, and then versus his spontaneous prayer. So let's look at uh, Nehemiah 1.4 and 1.6. That'll be every day. It says this, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and continued fasting and praying before the Lord God of heaven. And then he says this in six, let your ear be attentive to your eye and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel your servants so he has this he's praying every day he says that and then if you notice down in chapter two it actually talks about the year that the month of the year month of Nisan it had been four months since he heard about it so he it seems like he continued to pray not only in this burst of um, emotion when he heard about it, but he continued to pray for four months about this matter. And you can be sure that, you know, there were days that he didn't feel it as much as other days. But we see this idea of daily prayer over and over in the Bible. The Lord's Prayer is one place in the New Testament we see it. Jesus tells us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Well, that implies daily prayer. Um, but on the other hand, totally different in a way, um, in two, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, if you look at that, he is talking to the king, and this, the king says, what are you requesting? And it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight. Well, basically what happens is he prays in between sentences there. It's a spontaneous prayer in the middle of a conversation. And so he, the king says, what do you want? He says, God, please help me, or something very short. It certainly couldn't be as long as 1, 5 through 11. It had to be something really short and spontaneous, kind of just a God help, or maybe even kind of a spiritual cry, like, oh, I, need really, I really need help. Maybe hardly even putting words to it. But he prayed this quick I need help prayer, um, God uh, we don't know what he said, but he put, prays this spontaneous prayer in the middle of a conversation. And you see the difference, right? You see this um, short, you know, almost, you could call it, uh, just a short prayer, an extremely short prayer, versus the daily, I'm going to do this everyday committed, something that just comes up out of nowhere. He wasn't expecting it. We need both of these in our life. We need both. Um, one pastor that I was looking up what they were saying about this passage, compared it to marriage, which is good because we talked about it last last week that the idea of being in a covenant with God is similar to our covenant in, in marriage. It's this committed love relationship despite anything the other person does or how the circumstances are. But imagine a marriage where you only sent text messages in between, you know, your busyness. It's like, well, I'll text my wife, I got like, I Got a minute here between, you know, lunch, my lunch break, and getting back to work? I'll just send a text, and that's all you did. Just these spontaneous, short communication. It wouldn't be sufficient. Uh, that's not enough. That would be a pretty shallow marriage. Uh, there's, there's, you can't have a deep conversation, especially um, when you're just doing it, you know, 30 seconds at a time. Or on the other hand, what if you decided? Well, I'm only going to talk to my wife when I have 30 minutes to an hour. Maybe that's, you know, date night or whatever, once every other week or however that works. And you don't talk at all until then. It's like, well, save it for date night. (laughs) That wouldn't be healthy either, right? Either one of those would be unhealthy. You've got to have both. And you might say it another way. There's times when you really feel like talking. You know, hey, I want to tell you about this. I want to tell you about that. If you only talk to your wife when you really, really felt like it, and the other days, I'm not feeling up for this today. That's also not healthy, right? And so you're doing something out of the will. You're doing it daily. It's disciplined. On the other hand, there's things that come up spontaneously out of the desire of your heart. And that's our our relationship with God. We want both. You don't want uh, this really shallow relationship with God when only when these real big needs come up, you say a short prayer like, Oh, God, please help me. And that's it. You want a daily interaction with God more that goes deeper than that. On the other hand, you don't want to be the person that prays every day, I'm really disciplined, I pray every day for 30 minutes, and then I forget about God until the next morning at 7.15 or whatever. Um, There's no ongoing dependence there. So we want both. And we want to develop both of these in our own lives, but even think about as parents. We are modeling these things for our kids. You know, many of us I think, pray at dinner together with our kids. One of the things that we do is talk, we ask our kids, well, ones that can talk, what are you thankful for today? And what should we thank God for? And so we pray every day. It's kind of a discipline. It's like we are going to thank God for our meal. And, you know, what are you thankful for? But on the other hand, we're also encouraging them as throughout the day when difficult things arise, we're saying, like, well, what have you prayed about that? Or, um, you're getting angry. Why don't you? Why don't we pray to God and ask Him to help with your attitude? You know, here comes this need that we weren't expecting. But we're gonna. Where do we go when spontaneous things happen? We go to God and we say, "Hey, God, let's pray about this. God, please help us with our attitude. Help us to be kind. You know, help us in this in this way and that." So we're modeling both sides. Uh, we're trying to as parents, and we're trying to live that out ourselves. Pray when our emotions are running high, but pray when we, you're not feeling anything necessarily because you know. Uh, this is what i'm going to do every day I'm, I'm committing to do this so that's that's one thing we see from from Nehemiah here and is these types of different totally different types of prayer in this passage and you might just ask yourself, which one of those do I lean into more you know Is there a balance is, Do I lean one way or the other and is one short um, Another way we could kind of split this up between these spontaneous prayers or these disciplined prayers would be you could say it like this uh, committed prayers and prayers that are an overflow of a burden on your heart Um, so one is just saying I'm going to commit to pray for this every day whether I feel it or not the other is I'm feeling so overwhelmed by what's going on I've got to pour my heart out to God we need both we see committed prayer here in Nehemiah, obviously. As like I said uh, in chapter two, we see that he's been praying for four months, and he says at the very end of his prayer, "Give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man." Well, that didn't happen, right? He actually didn't bring it up to the king that day. He four months later is when when it finally God gave him an opportunity. And so I'm reading between the lines here, but because of the prayer from earlier on, I'm, I'm assuming what he said was true, that he really was praying every day. And we see this over and over in the Bible where people of God commit to pray. They're not just saying, I'll pray when I feel like it, God. You know, For example, Psalm 45, 1 and 2 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, only if I feel like it. No, it didn't say that. It says, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. He's committing, like, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to praise you every day. Um, There's another verse that's pretty clear. In 1 Samuel, Samuel says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. So he's saying, if I stop praying for you, I would be sinning against the Lord, and I'm not going to do that. And, you, and we know from his you know, reading First Samuel that that doesn't mean it was easy. That doesn't mean God, everything went according to circumstance. He was frustrated with Saul not obeying God. He was perplexed you know, with God when he doesn't um, anoint the king that he thinks. But there's these difficulties in his life, and yet he's committing. You know, I'm going to pray. It would be a sin for me to stop praying. I'm going to keep praying. Um, I'm not going to stop. And that is disciplined. It's not, I'm going to pray every day I feel like it. It's, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to stop because that's the right thing to do. So you have that side. On the other side, we see times of prayer where it's just this burden comes upon someone, either their life, circumstances, or even for another person, and it's just natural to overflow in prayer, and it's it's not hard to do. You might think about uh, Paul. He says, there is daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So he's talking about, I have this anxiety for all the churches every day. I feel, um, I feel, I feel something for the churches. And, and we know that he prayed for them every day because he talks about that. Uh, he talks about himself praying every day. He talks about other people praying every day. He says this about Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. So we kind of see both sides here. And we see that they're connected too. um, And we'll talk about that. Another one is Jesus has a good example of both of these. There's so many examples of Jesus going out daily to pray, um, making time to pray. I'll I'll give you a couple verses here from the life of Jesus. It says, and after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. That's in Matthew 14. There's a lot of those. We see those throughout the Gospels, these little, just short one verse where it's talking about him going off to pray. And it happens regularly. It doesn't say it happens every day, but we can assume from his teaching that he's not a hypocrite. You know, He's saying pray every day when he says, give us this day our daily bread. And there's a, there's a lot of them sprinkled through. Uh, the different Gospels in Mark, it says something a little bit different. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So we see these over and over and over, Jesus praying by himself, Jesus praying with the disciples. Also, we see Jesus not only praying regularly, but we see him praying when it's burdening his heart in the, in the garden. Uh, he, I'll read you a little bit of that when Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his knees and prayed. It's like here he's got this burden, and he's telling them, I have this burden. Watch and pray with me. And you know, they they don't, uh, they fall asleep. But We see both sides in the life of Jesus. Burden prayer, regular prayer. We see some in the Old Testament, real clear examples of just deeply burdened people pouring their hearts out to God. That uh, Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of my daughter, the daughter of my people. So, Jeremiah is, you hear the emotion there that this is something that's deeply affecting his heart. So we want both of these in our life. I mean, daily prayer, committed prayer, but we also want burdens that we pour out to God. And we want them to connect as well. Like Paul. Paul talks about praying for the churches, but he also talks about being burdened for the churches. And so I might just you know, ask you to apply this to your life. So which one of those, again, do you do better? Or is there an imbalance there? I mean, if you could pray every single day, um, and you pray through your prayer list, and you've got it, and I, this is what time I get up, but you don't you don't have a burden. It's not like you're not, you don't feel love. You don't feel a burden for the people you're praying for. It's just a matter of will. It's like, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. But I don't really, I'm not, I don't have any tears. I'm just doing the right thing and going through it, and it doesn't really affect me in terms of the emotions, the desires. That's one side. Or it could be you don't ever commit to pray. You don't have anything you pray for every day. Uh, You just only, when there's a burden, only when somebody's really going through something difficult, then you start praying, and you pray until the emotion fizzles out and you stop. And that 's what's going to happen, you know that's how we're made as human beings, our emotions go up and down, and for these long extended periods to pray every day is going to take commitment because there will be days when you get up and you don't feel like praying just like there's days when you get up and you don't feel like going to work um, you feel like sleeping in so we need both and Whatever way that looks for you and your personality and your bent and how you're raised and the church background you're from, whichever way you lean, just something to be aware of and to think about and ask God to help you. So let's say you're the person that, let's say you have somebody you're really burdened for. There's somebody in your life that's like, man, they're going through a difficult time. Uh, Do you ever commit to pray for them every day? So it's not just like, I feel this burden, I'm going to pray until the burden is, ease, but no, I'm going to commit right now. They're going through a difficult time. I'm going to pray every single day until this is different, until something changes, until, you know, emotionally they're more stable, until the, they're, this person's out, out of the hospital with their child, or, or whatever it is, and you commit. I'm going to do this every day, and there's going to be days when I don't feel, I don't cry about them being in the hospital, but I'm just going to commit to do it, because I want to. And so you see the The connection there, you start with a burden, but then you commit. And the thing is that I want you to think about, too, is you can't do this with everything, right? We had six, seven prayer requests this morning. If you committed today, like, I'm going to pray for every single one of those every day until it changes, um, pretty soon you'd have a prayer request list that was too long to even manage and so, you can't do with everything, but you can ask the Lord to burden your heart, to guide you by His Spirit, and have a few things like this that you're praying for every day. Um, and maybe it's good if those things were the things that God really impressed on your heart to begin with, that burdened you with, because maybe you're the person, you know, God has you. God wants you to pray for this. He burdened your heart for a reason. On the other hand, you might feel deeply and you might naturally pray for people, and you don't... You don't have a daily prayer time, or you don't ever pray through a list. You don't um, pray in, in any committed type, will type way. And your prayer life can, can, really, um, can really dry up. It can actually drain the thing that you're leaning on. So, for example, if you're leaning on your emotions, but you never commit, um, you can run out of steam. Whereas God might do just the opposite. In committing to pray, you might, God might give you a burden, right? So if you say, I'll give you an example here. As the pastors, we're, we want to pray for every family, and so we're committing to do that. You know, somebody's praying for you, your family, every week and um, roughly. And we're going to do that whether we feel like it or not. And we're going to do it whether there's some big burden in your life or not. But for me it 's helpful because it 's like I may not there may not be anything difficult going on in your life, but when I pray, uh, I could pray just things that i 'm thankful and usually the way I split it up is pray something i 'm thankful for about you and your family, and then something that I could pray for like a request uh, or something a need that is going on in your life and both those help with the burden part it 's like i 'm committing to do it and i 'm not necessarily getting up in the morning and feeling. I'm really feeling burdened for Andy Thompson this morning, but as I pray, I, not every time, but sometimes I do feel a burden. You know, I do feel love in my heart, and, and you know, I feel fellowship with this, their sufferings, whatever's going on in their life. That's not every time, but you see how the commitment actually fosters the other side, fosters the burden side, the desires in the heart. So we want both, and they, they kind of spiral together. If we lean too much on one, we're kind of in this downward spiral, where we can, we, you're leaning on it to the detriment of your prayer life, to the other side. So that's another side. And then the last thing I want to notice is this idea of fasting, which really incorporates both sides, the spontaneous uh, and the committed, because nobody feels like fasting um, for 40 days, right? There's days you don't feel like it. So when Jesus went out and he fasted in the wilderness... Uh, I'm certain there was days where he didn't feel like it. It specifically says he was hungry at the end, remember? so Meaning, I really, really want to eat. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and complete my fast. You know, that's what the devil tempted him with. Turn these stones into bread. Break your fast. But let's look here in Nehemiah first before we go on, uh, where he talks about fasting. It's in chapter 1, verse 4. As soon as I heard these things, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So it seems like his fasting started out with this burden, like, wow, this is really bad. His emotions are, you know, he really feels emotionally affected by what happened, and he begins a fast. Well, fasting is a good example of both these, because you start fasting maybe from a burden, but you don't. uh, You're never going to complete the fast just well, you, you might if it's short enough, but usually there's going to be a time where you don't feel like fasting anymore, and you might have to switch to the side of will. And even when you do feel it, there's very few times where somebody's so affected that they don't feel like eating at all. But that actually happens you know, in our life and in the Bible. It happens to David when his, uh, God tells him his child is going to die, and he fasts, and it seems like it's really from this, this burden place. Uh, just deeply affected by his sin and by the effect it has on his child. and But fasting is a good example of both sides. And it can be a good test in terms of where you are, uh, in terms of your balance on some of these things, because you might be the committed person who prays every day, you pray through a list. Do you ever feel burdened enough to go ahead and fast? It's like, man, this isn't just something that I, uh, I'm going to pray for on my list, but I, this is really, really important, so I'm going to actually fast and pray for this. Um, that's important, that we feel our love and burdens and uh, we feel spiritual reality strong enough that we can say, man, this, this is more than just praying on my list. This is something I want to fast for. I'm going to set food aside and set my lunch break aside or set whatever time breakfast time aside to pray for this because this is really important. On the other hand, it may be the opposite. It may be that you have these big emotions and you pray with tears, but you don't pray committed. Well, a fast can be a way to foster that because a fast is partly exercising the will to say, look, I have this desire for this thing. I'm going to pray for it, and I'm going to show that um, the inward reality externally by setting food aside, which takes a commitment of the will because when you get to breakfast time or lunchtime or dinner time you're going to not feel like keeping the fast you're going to feel like breaking the fast and you're you're going to be exercising your will and you're going to it's going to be exercising that muscle if you never exercise your will then um it's going to be difficult uh to say no though I really want to eat I'm this is more important and I'm going to I'm going to do it you see both sides in terms of fasting and we see it you know, different times in, the, in both types of fasting. It seems like in, in, the, in the Bible, exam, an example of spontaneous fasting might be Job. It seems like he fasted. It doesn't say he fasted, the word fasted, but he does say in his prayer, which is kind of poetic, but um, my sign comes instead of my bread. It seems like that is kind of a poetic way of saying, I'm mourning so deeply, I'm not eating. And so that's when he heard about all that had happened with his family and his servants and all that. In Job, it seems like he was just so affected. He fasted just spontaneous. On the other hand, there's times when God just commands people. There's a command to fast corporately, which we can certainly see would be an exercise of the will because if we decided today, let's say I said, hey, we're going to all fast for you know one of the things we prayed about this morning. There's certain, some people in here who don't feel like doing it, Right? And it's the same with Israel. When God said, it's, we're going to fast, um, we're going to set aside time to fast, there were some people who didn't feel like fasting, but it was an exercise of the will for them. So we need both sides. And we see that both sides are part of, of our prayer life. Now, just to turn to application here for us. what is What is your is your prayer life like? Um, is it one of these, not the other? And it and I, um, I'm going to quote here from a pastor named uh, Kyle Worley, and I heard this. He had four things that keep us from time with the Lord in terms of prayer and, and Bible reading and, and everything. But it really applies to this. And this is what he said: four major categories that a lot of the things that are hindering us from from our time with the Lord would be. Unwise distractions are all you use. Unwise distractions, so that's like probably your phone in your pocket. It's pretty big. If you've got the internet at any time, you can just pull it out and distract yourself. Uh, or it could be something else. But just distractions, things that just take our attention that aren't essential. So there's that can keep us from prayer or time with the Lord in general. Or responsibilities he calls it he said unique responsibilities it might be you're a mom and the dishes are in the sink and it's like well i have i'm going to do the dishes so you fill your day up with all those things and suddenly you don't pray or you don't you don't have a committed prayer time or it might be unforeseen circumstances like just things come up somebody gets sick somebody wakes up in the morning early you know a kid or something comes up at work or a thousand things. Um, anything like that. Or, the last one, unrealistic expectations. It might be that you have filled your plate with so many things that you don't have time at all to pray, to spend time with the Lord, because you have an un- unrealistic expectation on what God wants out of you. That if you've filled your day up with everything, and maybe it's all good things. Maybe it's you know being a good dad, being a good employee, you may, uh, being a good mom, uh, being committed to your church, all those things, and you fill it up to where you don't have time for the Lord, you've got something there that's not right. That's not the way God runs the world. thats You've got some unrealistic expectations. Or maybe it could even simply be the culture. It's like, well, to be a good parent, you have to make this much money, and that means you got to work 70 hours a week, and that means you're, you're going to end up not having time. And so I just... Ask you and ask you to think about you know all these things that we're talking about about prayer. We want both these pieces. What is keeping us from from this? Is it one of those? Is it distractions? Is it responsibilities? Um, is it circumstance, unforeseen circumstances, or is it unrealistic expectations? If there's something that's keeping you from 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 spending time with the Lord, you need to see it's really important and. This is the kind of relationship we want with God, like Nehemiah had, this spontaneous, when something comes up, the person we run to is God. Even in the middle of a conversation, God help me. But not only that, also committed daily, intentional praying for people, for situations, over long term, you know, over four months. And so you might just ask that. I mean, is there anything that you prayed for for four months? Is there just a few things? Or is there a lot of things? And we can ask the Lord to help us and to grow us. And just remind you, this is all because we know God. We have this covenant relationship with God who loves us and cares for us and wants to hear from us. It's like, why not run to the God who is ready and willing to take your burdens and to help people in your life? You know, you might ask this question, something like this. If, if God answered all your prayers... This next week or this last month, what would change would would it just be your life or would it be are there people you're burdened for you're praying for are is there spiritual things um, is it Is it a balance of these of both these prayer for committed prayer for others situations but also We are asking for help in our daily life. We want both. So let's pray together as we close. Lord, we just look to you and we need help and we ask for help. And we don't want prayer to become something that slides out of our schedule when we're busy. We want a vibrant relationship with you in every way. Would you help us as we go through our day to lean on you and to cry out to you? when things come up but also we want to be committed to pray um, every day even days when we're tired and we need help in every way would you give us a balance would you burden our hearts with love for one another would you help us to be like Nehemiah and that our prayers would affect the world in um, in a positive way and for your glory would you help us lean into who you are and your relationship with us, and uh, lean into that in our prayer life. We need, we need you every day, and we just lift this time up to you. Amen.